Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Now today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Byron Chamberlain. Byron is a former NFL tight end who played college football at the University of Missouri and Wayne State College, and he was drafted into the NFL during the seventh round of the 1995 draft. Byron played pro ball for the Denver Broncos, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Washington Redskins, and he was a pro bowler and had won back-to-back Super Bowl championships with the Broncos in Super Bowl 32 and 33. Byron, welcome to the show. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today. I'm really looking forward to our chat. So I'm going to start out our conversation and kick it off with us going back to your high school days. You didn't play football prior to being a freshman. Talk to us about that story. How'd you get into football and what it was like playing for the first time in high school? Well, let me tell you a little bit about my roots first, and, and, and then we'll get to the high school. You know, I was born in, um, and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. And so as a, as a child growing up in Hawaii, my favorite thing was the beach. You know, that's all we, me and my, my older brother ever did. We just stayed at the beach. We did a lot of water sports, um, including uh, boogie boarding and surfing and things like that. And then we moved to uh, San Diego, California. And again, you know, great beaches there too. So we spent a lot of our time hanging out at the beach. That was kind of our thing. And then once I got into sports, I started actually playing baseball. And then my grandfather was actually a, a scratch golfer, and I, he was, one, you know, my favorite guy. He lived in Los Angeles, so I loved to spend time with him, so I really got into golf. And, I, and I, I'd probably say golf was probably my first love as a sport. Fast forward, we moved to high school. My parents get divorced, and I'm in high school. We moved to Texas, and there was a kid who lived around the block from me. I'll, tell, I'll never forget his name because he's the kid who got me into football. His name was Brandon Rodriguez. And Brandon Rodriguez, uh, you know, said, hey, man, we're going to be freshmen next year. And, you know, we should try out for the football team. You know, it's the thing to do in Texas, play football, high school football in Texas. So, you know, I was a little nervous because I had never played football. I never played organized football a day in my life, never put a helmet on or shoulder pads or whatever. I said, Brandon, you know, if you're going to play, if you're going to try out for the team, I'll try out with you. I'll, I'll do it. We both tried out for the team. Both get on the team, and then Brandon wound up quitting. <laughs> but I, but I stayed on the team. And uh, real short story: my first game, I, I was having trouble putting my pads on. A, a little friend of mine, Todd McMahon, helped me put my pads on, helped me make sure I had everything on. And then the opening kickoff, the very first play, very first game, I'm supposed to be a blocker for the returner. Well, the the ball hits him. The opening kickoff hits him in the face mask. It rolls right to me and right to my feet. And uh, the whole sideline's yelling, pick it up, pick it up. And so I pick the ball up and I run straight down the middle of the football field, kind of like Forrest Gump, uh, 95 yards for a touchdown. My very first play, the very first game I've ever was in. So, and after that, you know, I was hooked. Oh, it's a great story. I was going to ask you, is that what did it for you and kept you playing? Because it's a great uh, first experience. Yeah, I had, I had success on the very first 
playing very first game and just kind of took off for me from there. Great. And was there anything else that you liked about football that kept you playing over the years? Well, the, you know, the biggest thing was for me is, you know, I love to compete. I think it's, it's a sport where I can, I can get my competitive juices flowing. I love the teamwork aspect of the game. I'm all about team. I'm always all about, you know, winning and, and, and doing it as a team. And, and football to me is the greatest sport that teaches that lesson because, you know, you got 11 guys on offense or, or defense, and they all have to be on the same page working together just to even give themselves a chance to be successful. It's not even guaranteed you're going to be successful, but you have to work together even just to give yourself a chance. And I love that about the game. Absolutely. Now let's transition to you uh, playing college football. You started off at Mizzou and then went on to Wayne State where you had an amazing career. Talk to us about your experiences playing college football. Man, college football was uh, amazing. You know, the thing about it was when I first started playing in high school, uh, that was my goal. My goal was just to play college football. I, I didn't didn't look further than that. I, I really didn't have any any dreams further than just going to college and playing college football. I wanted to play, you know, big time D1 football and uh, was recruited by, you know, most of the schools and, and most of the conferences. Um, and it came down for me to Miami, uh, Missouri and UCLA. You know, kind of my criteria for a school when I was picking was I wanted to go somewhere I'd never been before. L.A., I'd been there, but I was still infatuated with UCLA. I'd never been to Miami. I'd never been to to Missouri. Number two, I wanted a school that played the style of football that would help me be successful, meaning throwing the ball because I was a receiver coming out of high school. And so all those schools did had offenses, uh, especially back then. That was that was a kind of a, a rare deal in the late 80s, early 90s. So all those schools fit my criteria. But then the other one, I think the major one was I wanted a school that academically was good at my major because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to major in broadcast journalism. I've known that since probably I was about seven or eight years old. That's a story in itself. You know, when I started looking at schools, Missouri was the number one journalism school in the country. It fit all my criteria. Then when I went and visited, it was just an amazing time there. So I, I chose there. And, you know, I had some, some really good success on the field uh, my first two years there, was there for a total of three years, but, you know, academically, I wasn't getting it done. I kind of got caught up in the being in college and, and not having mom and dad there to be responsible for you. You got to be re responsible for yourself. And I was kind of lacking in those areas. So a change was needed. And, and that's why I kind of went to Wayne State. So you went to Wayne State, you had amazing couple years there, 161 catches for 1,941 yards, 14 touchdowns. You became Wayne State's all-time leading receiver, uh, incredibly talented on the field. What traits or characteristics about you do you feel helped you to excel? Well, number one trait about me is I've never been scared of work. I've never been scared to work hard. My dad is a, is a Navy guy, a career Navy man, and We've always had that type of military discipline in my house and also just being having the that ingrained that work ethic ingrained in us. You know, when we were gonna do something, if if me and my brother, you know, my dad was gonna have us cut the yard or clean the bathroom or wash the car or something like that, he expected a level 
there was a standard that was there and he expected it to be done right. He expected it to be done well. He would always say, you know, don't do a half job. I, I, want, a, I want a a superior job done. So that kind of work ethic was instilled in me as a child that whenever I was going to do something, I was going to always do my best at it. I was always going to make sure I, I did a great job at it. And I think I brought that to uh, the game of football. And, and, and everyone knows when you play football, it's, it's a game, but you have to work. Uh, and all the work is done in the off season. It's done on the practice field. And if you're scared of, of hard work, man, you're not going to really succeed that, that well in football. Well, I think that's true in any area of life too, not just sports, right? If you're not willing to put in the work, then you're yeah. not going to get the outcomes that you're hoping to achieve. I think one of the other things too is I'm ultra competitive person. Like I, I want to win. I want to compete. And I really don't care like who I'm competing with. My brother is four years older than me. And growing up, you know, I would compete with him, his friends, playing basketball or, or whether we're playing golf or whatever we're doing. I, I would compete against them and, and older guys. And, and I was never one of those kids that was intimidated by size or, or speed or whatever. I always felt like I was going to figure out a way to win. And that's another trait that I think I brought with me into the game of football, just this just being ultra competitive and, and not being intimidated by anyone, whether they're bigger, faster, stronger, or whatever. Because I think as high-performing players, high-performing individuals, if you put high-performing people in any situation, they're going to figure out how to win, how to overcome whatever obstacles they have. They have that confidence that they know that they're going to find a way, right, to make sure to be able to win. I think, and I think that's as well. I think my last trait that I brought to um, football that helped me be successful is um, I'm not afraid of criticism and I'm not afraid to criticize myself. I'm a person that I'm very hard on myself. I'm the guy that when the game is over, win, lose, or draw, I'm going to watch the film. I'm going to see what I did well, but I'm also going to see what I did poorly. And I'm not, and I'm not afraid to admit, you know, that I did something poorly and I need to work on it. I need to get better at it. Um, you know, me and my best friend, and you, you said we'll talk about him a little later in the show. We have a saying amongst ourselves, like, if you let a person write their own book, they'll make themselves the hero every time. Meaning most people don't want to say anything bad about themselves. They always, you know, say that, you know, I can do this or, or I, I did. It's always some other, some, some other person's fault instead of, you know, taking a real hard look at themselves. And to me, that's the only way that you can, can grow. If you can be totally, completely honest with yourself, even when you don't measure up, when you don't get the job done, when you, when you have glaring weaknesses in your game. If you can be honest about them, then you have a chance to improve and get better. And I, I, I've never had a problem with that, whether that was from a coach, and I think even more so whether it was from myself. Yeah, I think we always should be looking at how we can continually improve. It's important to reflect and review uh, situations, not only to see what we did well, but also to see where did we maybe not do so well and how can we use that to improve upon those areas. So share with us, what was your most memorable game that you had in college? One of the most memorable ones was my freshman year at Missouri. Uh, we played Colorado in the infamous fifth down game where they, uh, they scored the winning touchdown as time went out on a fifth down. I think that's a game that every college football fan uh, has knew about. I'm still hurt <laughs> to this day <laughs> because, they, you know, they were the third-ranked team in the country, 
and we knew we had a, a good team that year, and we knew we could compete with them, and we actually beat them within the rules of football. But they got an extra down and, and scored the game when he touched down. Uh, so that was memorable. But, you know, as an individual, you know, when I was playing at Wayne State, two games really stand out. My first game at Wayne State, I set the uh, record for receiving yards in a game. I had eight catches for 210 yards, including a 90-yard touchdown. You know, when I transferred there, you're always trying to make an impression on your coaches and your teammates, trying to earn their respect. And there was a lot of people who didn't know who I was, and they had played together at Wayne State for a couple of years, but they didn't know who I was. And I'm entering in the starting lineup, and, I, you know, I set the record the first uh, game out. So that was memorable. And then later on in my senior year, I broke that record for yards and uh, catches. I caught 16 passes for, I think, 236 yards and, and three touchdowns and against uh, Bemidji State. So I, that game just felt like I could do anything on that field. When players say they're in the zone or whatever, I really felt that way. Gotcha. And so now let's transition to you playing in the NFL. You mentioned before that your goal was just to play college ball, right? So what was it like for you to get drafted? Uh, it was amazing because, you know, when I got to in between my junior and senior year, you know, I started seeing guys that I had played with, especially in Texas in high school or played with or in against who started to get drafted in the NFL. And like some of those guys, I'm like, OK, I know this kid. I've known him, you know, since I was 14 years old. I know I'm better than him or I know I'm just as good as him. I know if, if and he's getting drafted by the Giants and this other kid's getting drafted by the Eagles. Another one of our friends got drafted by Tampa Bay, and I'm like, if they're doing it, I know I can, I can do it. So I started thinking about the NFL in between my junior and senior year. To get selected by the Broncos, it, it was just amazing. It was amazing. It was, uh, it was something that, man, I, I, I can't really have the words for it to this day. I mean, just as somebody in the NFL wanted me, and they chose me. And to hear that phone ring and Mike Shanahan, the head coach from the Broncos, calling me and say, hey, Byron, you know, congratulations. Welcome to the Denver Broncos. That was a, an amazing moment. And the NFL is very different than playing college football, not just in terms of rules, but in the way that it operates. What was the biggest eye-opening change for you? You know, people always talk about the speed of the game. But for me, I think the biggest eye-opening deal was just how smart the players were, just how intelligent guys were. And you, you think like, okay, these guys are great athletes. And I quickly learned, you know, the guys that are the great players are the smartest guys in the room. When I, when I got in my locker room, I had, a, I had a John Elway, I had a Shannon Sharp, I had a Steve Atwater. These, these Hall of Fame players in, in this locker room, they knew absolutely everything. You know, the thing about it was most of the time when you're in college, you learn your position. So if you're a wide receiver, you learn the wide receiver position. You're a linebacker, you learn a lot. Man, I would talk to Shannon Sharp, and he's a tight end, but he knew exactly what the offensive line was doing, what the defensive line was doing, what the safeties were doing, what the cornerbacks were doing, what the quarterback was doing. He could verbalize that and say, hey, okay, hey, you got to run your route this way because on this coverage, this is what this linebacker is going to do, and this is what the strong safety is going to do. And you got to remember the quarterback's taking a five-step drop, so you got to be at your spot. And I'd be like, why? Like, he knew all that. Like, it was not just the position, but the total – game and, and what everybody on the field was doing in their responsibilities. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think off the field in life, when I think about my corporate career, what really worked well for me was my 
ability to understand the bigger picture outside of just my role or my organization and how all the players and everything fit together. And I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about here. These guys knew how everything connected and impacted the game. It wasn't just about their position and that uh, more narrow focus. And, you know, that's what really when I saw throughout my career, what made, you know, average players good and good players great was that the guys who are willing to put in the time studying and not just study, you know, the, the good players, they just, they studied their position. You know, like I said, the great players, they studied what everybody was doing. The one of the things that I did when I got in that Denver Broncos locker room was when they moved me to tight end, I, I asked them to put my locker right next to Shannon Sharp. And he didn't know this at the time, but Shannon was going to be my mentor regardless of whether he wanted to or not because I was going to sit there and learn everything from him and which he was he was gracious enough to take me under his wing and help me. And something I, I tell people to this day, I don't have the type of NFL career that I had without Shannon Sharp. Oh, that's great. And I think it's important. I'm glad you mentioned having a mentor because I think it's important for all of us to have those mentor figures to help us grow and navigate and to be more successful and better leaders, better players, better teammates, um, and just help us navigate our career. Regardless of whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's school, whatever, find somebody that you can learn from, that you can model yourself, that's already been through where you're trying to go. Absolutely. So now let's uh, talk about your best friend, Terrell Davis, who we alluded to earlier in the show. You guys both got drafted to the Broncos the same year and you guys grew up together. Uh, What was it like having someone who you grew up with on the same team with you? Oh, it was amazing. You know, the thing about Terrell was he grew up right around the corner from my uncle, my uncle George, and uh, his mom and my mom were best friends. So uh, we kind of had no choice. Terrell has five brothers, but I was kind of like his sixth brother. So uh, it was good. It was good to have him there. Uh, we were roommates our first couple of years there. So we had, you know, that that level of, of comfort. You know, the thing about it was we were both late round picks. He was a sixth rounder. I was a seventh rounder. Uh, and so we were nervous. We were nervous when we first got there. and we, But we could bounce things off of each other. He was somebody that I could study the playbook with. I could, you know, I could ask him questions. He could ask me questions or whatever. And if we didn't know, then we go go to somebody else. But, you know, I, I remember when we first got to Denver, like literally our goal was, okay, can we make the practice squad? That was our goal. Like we, we went in that locker room and you see all these guys and, you know, these names that you watch on TV and you're like, do I really fit in? Well, maybe I can just make the practice squad. And I, I think the one thing for, that we did when we first got there was we decided that we would get in our playbooks and we would know what we're doing when we step on the field because we would watch and you'd see the only time the coaches yelled at guys is when they, you know, didn't go full speed or they didn't know what they were doing. And I know you guys played different positions. Terrell played running back. You played tight end. Uh, but was there some competitive element to you guys, too, to push each other to be better? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, he was a guy that we worked with on the offseason. We worked all together. And we were always pushing ourselves to be better. And, you know, the thing about him is, is the same thing about me. He wanted to be the best. He wanted to be the best at his position. And I, I remember us talking and saying, you know, you know, one of the things we have to do is you got to make the Pro Bowl. If you want to be considered the best, you got to make the Pro Bowl. And so he did that in his either first or second year, I think second. The work ethic was off the chart. And he was very consistent when he got on the field. And coaches love that consistency out of a player. 
but yeah, we pushed each other on the off season. We pushed each other to be great during the games and we always were accountable to each other as well. Got it. I'm glad you talked about accountability because that's important too. And it's important to A, be accountable to yourself, but it's also helpful when you have other teammates, friends that can uh, also hold you accountable. So tell us, what was it like playing for Mike Shanahan? And was there anything that he ever said to you that's kind of always stuck with you? Mike is amazing. He was one of those guys in, at the NFL that people called a genius during his time, especially when he was with Denver. Offensively, defensively, he was an incredible game planner. Like, I don't think we ever lost a game, like, off a of bye week. Because Mike was the guy, if you gave him a couple of weeks to game plan you, you're not going to beat him. And that's why we felt so confident going into our Super Bowls. So he was really good at evaluating his players and understanding their talents, understanding their, their strengths and their weaknesses. And he would never do anything to, put, to let a player's weakness show. He was always, you know, for his players and, and had his guys back. You know, when I got drafted, the very first meeting, my very first day in the Broncos building, and the first thing he ever addressed to the team, he said, men, we're going to do things here one way and one way only. It's going to be first class. And that's going to be everything we do from the way we dress, from the way we practice, from the way we eat, from the way we play. Anything we do is going to be first class and first class only, or we're not going to do it. I've taken those words and I've applied them to my life. I've applied them to everything that I do. If I'm going to do something, it's going to be first class. It's, it's going to be the very, very best. I like you sharing that. I'm going to start thinking about that. Not that I, I settle for mediocrity at all, but I like that analogy of always doing things first class. So I appreciate you sharing that. So let's talk about, we've, we've mentioned Super Bowl a couple times already, but let's talk about playing in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 32 was the first Super Bowl you're in. It's January 25th, 1998. The game mm -hmm. is being played at Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego, and the Broncos are playing the Green Bay Packers. Now, from Chicago and being a Chicago Bears fan. I was very much rooting for the Broncos in that okay. game. Just had to say that. Um, okay. but, uh, you, you and Michael Jordan. We found out Michael uh, watching the last dance that Michael Jordan was doing that too. Good, good. And uh, so Green Bay was favored to win that game by like 11. So how are you feeling? How is the team feeling about being there on the largest stage? You know, for us, we loved being there. Yeah, we were an 11-point underdog. And the other thing that we had working against us is the AFC hadn't won the Super Bowl in 13 years. The NFC had a 13-game winning streak going on at that time. So, And, and that was the time, too, where uh, AFC teams would go to the Super Bowl and just get dominated. Uh, some of those Super Bowls were just laughers. And so we go into that game seeing that we're an 11-point underdog and, and this history. We're super confident. We understand what we have and what we're bringing to the table. We knew our defense was a little better than people thought. And they, they played well. They always played well in big games. And uh, we knew if we could control the clock and control the ball, which we, we'd done all year with our running game and Terrell Davis, that we could kind of uh, neutralize Brett Favre, who was the three-time MVP at the time. We could keep him on the sideline a lot and milk the clock and really play our game. And that's exactly what we did. And the other thing, too, is we understood that their defensive line were big guys, that, and, and we ran a lot of wide zones. That meant guys had to run, and, and by the time you get to that fourth quarter, those big guys would be worn out, and that was our game plan, and that's exactly what we did. Once we got on that field, 
and, and started having the success of moving the ball on them, scoring touchdowns, answering their touchdowns, we, we knew that we would win that game. Sure. And it was a close game. Broncos ended up winning 31-24, uh, scoring that final touchdown in the fourth quarter. I got to tell you the moment in the game when we knew we were going to win. And it's probably the most famous, iconic play out of, out of there. It's when uh, John Elway scrambles for the first down, dives head first, gets hit, and does the helicopter or whatever. When he gets up and he looks over to our sideline and he pumps his fist in the air, the energy and adrenaline that was sent through that sideline and through our team and through our crowd, we were like, there's no way we're losing this game. (laughs) There's no way we're going to lose. I can imagine. I mean, it was such a great feeling for him because you mentioned that the AFC hadn't won in 13 years. And for four of those Super Bowls, Denver was in it, right? And John Elway was a part of those Super Bowls that they didn't win. So I can only imagine that was just an amazing feeling for him to have finally won one. And you guys did it again the next season because you won back-to-back championships, played the Falcons the following year. And in your opinion, what really contributed to the team's success or continued success? Just that competitive will that we had. And, you know, I remember um, Shannon Sharp really challenging the team, getting up, you know, after we had won our first Super Bowl and, and going into that next year. And Shannon, you know, in one of our team meetings, standing up and said, hey, guys, you know, we won the Super Bowl. That's great. That's whatever. But if you really want to be remembered, if you really want to be special, you got to do it again. It's something to be said for chasing the title versus defending the title. Just being the defending champions and knowing that everybody's gunning for you, it, it was a special feeling to go back to the Super Bowl and, and win it. I bet. So now let's talk about your transition beyond the game. What was that transition like for you? Uh, it was good. It was good. I, you know, I got to a point where at near the end of my career where I was thinking about uh, retiring from the game. I was thinking about you know, doing other things. Once I did walk away from it, I was, I was good with it. One of the first things I did was I re-enrolled in school. I had uh, six hours to take, two classes, and then I had to do an internship. So I wound up going back to the University of Missouri And I did an internship with the uh, football team in the weight room uh, with the strength and conditioning staff, working specifically with football. Did the internship there. Then I took my two classes. I had to take a business uh, communications class and a business management class and completed my degree. So that was one of the first things that I did. It was always a goal of mine, because I said, to graduate. I always told people, you know, football kind of just got in the way of, of completing it. The, uh, the first go around. But, you know, once I was done, I was definitely going back to finish. And now you're in the middle of an MBA program. Uh, tell us a little bit about your program and what you're looking to do with it afterwards. Yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in an MBA program at, at Fordham University in New York. The emphasis is on finance. Uh, I really don't know quite what I want to do with it, but it was another goal of mine. I, um, education's huge in my family. I have two brothers and and, uh, two sisters, and all of them have at least a bachelor's degree. Uh, My my oldest sister has a master's degree. Uh, My other sister's 11 months older than me, and so we're kind of competitive, too. So she's got a master's, so I got to go get one. (laughs) That's kind of, but it was always a goal of mine, too. So there's a program that kind of started through the NFL. It started at the University of Miami. They've now transferred it over to Fordham in New York. You know, the thing about it is 
I've always wanted to do it, and the NFL is paying for it. So I'm like, this is a no-brainer. I have to get it done, and I got to do it now. Oh, that's great that the NFL is paying for it. So four of my seven degrees were fully paid for by employers. So it's, a, it's great when you have uh, an opportunity to have education paid for by someone else. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill and just ask you seven fun questions. All right, what is your favorite food? I'd have to go with Mexican. And I know you're living out in L.A. now. Is there any particular spot that you like? Uh, no, not, not, no particular spot. You know, Southern California is just filled with great Mexican food. Any, you can go anywhere in, in Southern California and find great Mexican food. So uh, it's the best place to live if, if Mexican food's your, your favorite. Yes, that is true. When I was in California, there were lots of good uh, Mexican restaurants to go to. Uh, next question is, what is your favorite movie? Right now, it would probably be Black Panther. Okay, that's a good movie. How about what's your favorite professional sports team? Would probably be the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. How about what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Uh, best piece of advice, Gary Kubiak, my rookie year pulled me into Terrell Davis Society. He said, hey, live like a poor man while you're in the NFL so you, so you can live like a king afterwards. That's a great piece <laughs> uh, of advice. That was a great piece of advice. The funny thing about the NFL is once you're in it, you realize you get a lot of stuff for free. So you don't even have to spend money if you really <laughs> don't want to. And I'm going to flip it now and ask you, what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? It's definitely follow your passion. So you can find a way to work at your passion every day, do it. You know, life is short. You don't get much opportunity. So if you get the opportunity to, to really go after what you want and that, that's your passion, you got to follow it. You got to go after it. Even if it, you got to sacrifice a few dollars here and there, you got to do what makes you happy. Absolutely. And it's not going to feel like work when you're doing it too. So you're going to sure. be happier at work as well. For sure. All right, my next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Most people don't know that golf is my favorite sport. Okay. If I could have been a professional golfer, I would have chose that over football every day. Okay. And then my last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Oh, it'd definitely be Black Panther. We talked about me, that being my favorite movie. Well, first of all, I love his powers. Uh, and I love the, the suit. You know, he just like thinks about it and it comes on. The thing I love about Black Panther is just the messaging that it gives to, to young Black kids. When I was growing up, we didn't see uh, superhero movies that starred, you know, people that looked like me. A lot of times when you watch these movies, you know, the people who looked like me were the villains in the movies. So just to, to, to have a superhero that is a person, number one, and then that looks like me or my, my kids or whatever. I think it's an amazing message that it sends that we all can be special, we all can be heroes, and we don't have to look a certain way, we don't have to be a certain way, we can, we can be ourselves and, and, and be heroes. Absolutely. And so as we close today's show, any last thoughts for our listeners and also share how can people uh, follow you on social media and see what you're up to? Jen, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate uh, you using your platform to, to let your listeners know my, my story. I talked about it earlier, you know, follow your passions. And, and if you have multiple passions, try to find a way to combine them. One of the things that that I do, and I know we didn't speak about this, but one of the things I do now, uh, it's slowed down because of coronavirus, but I, I travel internationally 
and I teach the game of American football, different countries, whether it's China, South America, England, or whatever. You know, my two passions are travel and football, and I found a way to combine them. If you can do that, you'll, you'll, be, you'll live a happy life. And, and if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, at BC underscore Chamberlain. I'm there. I'll be the best Instagram follow you ever had. <laughs> Great. And we'll be sure to put that in the show notes so people can follow you on Instagram. Byron, thank you so much for being on the show today. Jen, thank you. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.